Joe <laughs> <laughs> mama. All right. Hi, guys. It's Friday, April 9th, and you're tuning in Two and a Half Hoopers, Chris Kamen's favorite basketball podcast. Still didn't spell it right on the notes, but it's Chris Kamen. Um, here with Josh. Hey. Well, he's George on the screen, but he's <laughs> Josh Rose. George. And then the real George is down there rocking a sweet Nike tank top. Well, the real Slim Shady, please stand up. Can you stand? I bet you didn't hit legs. I bet you could still stand up. I mean, but I, I'm kidding, so it'll like. What? What? This my this is my wife. Please, buddy, please don't buddy, move that. Buddy, please don't buddy, move that. Buddy, you just killed it. Jay Sports eardrums, ladies. Packing packing the mail today. Sorry, I didn't mean to but, do that. Um. We got a good show for you guys. Recap last year's a ball. Uh, George's halftime and off. We're gonna continue the series. We're on small forwards now. We decided this one decided deserved the top ten, uh, and we even still had a little trouble fitting everyone in there. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, remember all the good stuff. If you like cheer, make sure to follow the incident Twitter at thhoopers. Drop a comment anywhere. We'll give you a give you a shout out. Uh, but let's get right into this. So April seventh, uh, Wednesday, uh, Pacers beat the Timberwolves one forty one one thirty seven. I don't know how the hell you let the Pacers score 141, but I guess that's the team behind the Houston Rockets in the standings. Uh, Wizards beat the Magic 131-116. Rockets beat a fully healthy Mavs squad 102-93. Grizzlies beat the Hawks 131-113. And the Hornies beat the Thunder 113-102. Also, uh, Nuggets beat the Spurs 106-96. We're not going to deep dive in this, but Josh, you had a few thoughts on this? For which game? Sorry. Uh, Nuggets-Spurs. Nuggets Spurs. Oh, I, I mean, just kind of we've been seeing a lot more games from the Nuggets that involve a lot more defensive effort. Uh, George mentioned it to me that they locked down the Clippers, even though the Clippers aren't really like a super uh, competitive team in terms of uh, play style. But the Spurs, it's really impressive, especially you would think Greg Popovich would adjust mid game and they just weren't able to pick it up. So holding a team under 100 is kind of deserves a little bit of an award at this point with this era. Do you uh do you give more credit to Will Barton or Aaron Gordon as far as the Nuggets increased uh, defense? Uh, Will Barton for sure. They had no Jamal Murray, and definitely looking at the the guard stats for the Spurs, you can tell that Will Barton made an impact because I don't think that the backup point guard for Denver is coming in with defensive <laughs> lockdown batches. So, yeah, he's a playmaker. He ain't no two way. <laughs> no Faku slander. Uh, but yeah, first game we're going to really talk about Celtics winning a close swing against the Knicks 101-99. Uh, only three players scoring double figures for the Celtics, but Tatum and Brown both had solid games against a pretty stingy Knicks defense led by Tom Thibodeau. Uh, for the Knicks, R.J. Barrett had a great game, but no one else shot above 50%. Uh, Randall kind of had his usual fill-the-box score, but they were kind of going to him a little too much, if you ask me, especially towards the stretch, towards the end of the game. And he he doesn't he hasn't been really efficient the last uh, month or so. Uh, but, like I said, R.J. Barrett, great game. A uh, little stat for you guys. The last five games, Knicks have gone to the fourth quarter leading. They've lost all five. So they the, the fourth quarter execution is not not very good. I think they got outscored by seven in this one here, uh, seven or five. Uh, but yeah, this game is very important for playoff in, uh, implications. So uh, thoughts to you guys. George, I'll start with you because you're sitting looking at me with your, <laughs> <laughs> with your muscles. So, so yeah, for uh, playoff impl- implications, definitely uh, these two teams are sitting at seven and eight respectively, that being Celtics at seven, Knicks at eight. Uh, like you said, that's an act- That's a pretty interesting stat. I didn't know that. But with a team like New York, they're young, gritty, and trying to compete for a playoff spot. That's normal for them to kind of just lose leads late in the game. But obviously, a uh, Tom Thibodeau team isn't really uh, known for that. So it's a little bit concerning. But at the same time, they're also younger. They'll go through a little bit of growing pains as they're trying to stay afloat in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, looking forward, not... Not that much of a worry. Uh, Celtics did start Romeo Langford 25 minutes, which I didn't even think he would be seeing minutes, but Kemba got his usual maintenance for uh, back-to-back games. Overall, though, the the two Jays played well, and that's going to be what they need to do in order for them to keep winning. Joshua? Uh, a little bit of a role reversal here. Uh, got Brad Stevens taking the Tom Thibodeau thing and playing Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum all over. 36 minutes and everybody else kind of for the Knicks beside Barrett and Randall are under 30. So that's a little bit of an interesting thing, but the Knicks need to learn how to close games. Uh, Their game plan kind of falls apart and they kind of rely a lot on kind of the Tom, the Tom Thibodeau method. Like the offense will eventually come if he gets stops. And it's kind of hard when Jason Tatum only practices step back threes in the off season. So some of them are bound to go in, but RJ Barrett, phenomenal game. I think that's like the one good take that we can say for the Knicks because they have been struggling in the fourth, but it's really nice to see 
uh, RJ kind of take that hand, especially because Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose were kind of producing lackluster minutes. So, Yeah, so I always forget as far as uh, you, Josh, because I, I know you're a big RJ Barrett guy. Uh, well, name the stats. He's got a great game, 35 minutes, uh, 29 points, five boards, two assists, uh, 70% shooting. Six for six from three, which is yeah, insane. Did not, he was not missing. <laughs> Are you on the uh, train of give Barrett playmaking duties, or do you think he's still kind of like a secondary playmaker um, and then he's a true point card? I think eventually he's in his second year now, so everyone kind of has high hopes for him, especially because uh, Zion. But I think that with time, he'll be able to be a primary ball handler, and, would, and I think he could be a point guard in the league. But as of right now, he kind of needs that push. I think that's why they brought Derrick Rose in, just to be like the primary ball handler, just to take that pressure off him. Because we have seen the games where he plays with quickly in the starting lineup, and he kind of struggles to be that primary ball handler. So I think that he needs a little bit more time, but eventually I think he'll get there. Yeah, hopefully. I'm Because I know it's been a theme for a while. I think we titled one of our first uh, like pods. It was a uh, like recap and then Nick's late, late game struggles. Because uh, they went on that five-game win streak and they started like throwing away games in the fourth. And it's been a theme all throughout. Uh, yeah. Do you guys think it really does? We'll go back. I'll go to you, George. Is it really the point guard thing? Because D-Rose came off the bench again. They're starting Alfred Payton. Uh, D-Rose should be getting a little bit more healthier, so he should be starting again. Uh, and they were winning a lot of games with him starting and then uh, quickly backing him up. So do you think that can kind of be the recipe for success when they get back on track? Yeah, that's what I've liked. But just, you know, scrolling through Twitter, that's definitely been a conversation about the Knicks. Uh, a lot of their fans don't like the rotation, how it's going right now. And they kind of agree more with what we've been talking about. And, yeah, I guess Alfred Payton's a, uh, a prototypical Tibbs point guard because Tibbs loves playing him. But I definitely think quickly should be getting uh, more time uh, backing up Rose and Rose should start, but we'll see. Uh, who finishes the higher seed uh, between these two teams? I think the Celtics are actually going to have the higher seed for as much as I uh, slander them. And then, Josh, which team are you, are you more scared of if you're in a first round matchup? Boston. Boston, just because they're, they're high, higher ceiling. Yeah. I don't think the Sixers are scared of Boston just because they're <laughs> lack of size. Oh, no. Joel oh, Embiid oh. is not scared the, of the Boston the Sixers, Celtics. The Sixers are not afraid of anybody in the play in right now. Well, uh, moving on, we had a good close game there. This one's more of the storyline kind of around it. KD made his long way to return for the Nets after missing about two months or so. Uh, if you heard, listen, you know he's missing it because every, every halftime it was, KD should be back, you know, in two weeks, in a week. And then he finally came back and he came off the bench. Uh, Nets get the win, 139-111 uh, against the Pelicans at home. Uh, KD had 17 points on just 5-5 five five shooting off the bench, proving he's the easiest superstar to get back into your offense like we I tried to, you know, try and turn the tables like maybe they're going to have trouble. It's KD. He, he's efficient. Uh, no BI for the Pels in this one. That allowed the Nets to zone in on Zion. I mean, this was probably the worst game we've seen from Zion in a while, uh, going four for 12. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware. He was tied for Shaq for most. Yeah, he uh, broke it. It, no, he, he tied it. This was the game he could have broken it. And it I, was, mean, like, I mean, he lost it. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, the stat was um, 60% shooting, 25 points or more in consecutive games. He tied Shaq at 25. And he, I was like, he's playing that, so get it. They didn't. They locked him down. Uh, so this one's over by halftime. But what direction do you guys want to go in this one discussion? Because I know, George, uh, you want to talk about the Pelicans' future as well for the rest of the season. So, yeah, let me see where they're currently slated right now. Nobody really wants the the last seed in the play, and a lot of those teams have been on losing skids. So right now they're <laughs> uh, they're two games out of that 10 seed. So you add it, and uh, they're not getting – they're getting a little bit healthier, but they've still been without BI for a while. And a, a game like this where KD's coming back, you know, they're going to be cautious and he's going to be protective of how he plays out there. You would have thought, okay, Zion's going to have like a freak 40 point performance and Brooklyn and company. I don't even, I don't really know who guard. It was more of like a kind of like a Jeff green and Blake Griffin and even LaMarcus. They all kind of just collectively, uh, defended him really well and looking forward they have a pretty hard schedule uh for the rest of the way and i, I mean they're not going to effectively tank but i don't know if they can put together enough consistent performances to make that final play and like i i push them to so josh if you want to take the net side you can because i don't have much to say for them thanks for leaving me the crumbs joy <laughs> um I guess most notably for the Nets in this one, uh, just a different starting lineup. They started uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, Blake Griffin played only 12 minutes, but LaMarcus at 22 and 22. So, And KD coming back, that's always a nice thing. Did not miss a shot. 
like actually didn't miss a shot. Every shot that he <sighs> shot went in. So that's that's awesome. That 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 frightens me more than anything in the world. And they still they still have James Harden, who was a top three MVP candidate. So, so I'll uh, I'll stick. I'll go to back to the Pelicans and we'll f- finish off on the Nets. Uh, George, do you think it's even worth it for them to go for that plan spot, or just kind of get a lottery pick? Because I mean. I mean, from like a future standpoint, yeah, that's the smartest thing to do, but I don't think they're going to effectively tank, but I, they're going to need a lot just to even get into that 10 seed. And then if they do, they're going to have to win two games against what the Mavs. So I, I don't really see it. So I agree with you, even though I don't think they're going to effectively try to tank, but they should probably be most cautious with BI and him coming back. Cause there's no reason to, you know, him to get hurt even more just for them to try and push for a 10 seed. Yeah. And then I'll go to the uh, Nets here. I know we had this discussion a few pods ago. I know we had all three of us on. Uh, we were saying DeAndre Jordan would be the st- – I was saying he'd be the starter. Um, did either of you have – he's playing DMPs now, so i got to drop that narrative. Uh, but um, did either of you had Aldridge starting? No. No. So it's looking like he, he's gotten every start since he started playing, and it looks like even – like he's playing 20 minutes now, which isn't a lot, but Blake Griffin's minutes have been kind of cut a little bit. I still given good numbers, but they've been cut a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think they'll start uh, Aldridge and then bring like uh, Uncle JG off the bench, or because uh, I I think Joe Harris will be starting in there. So it's who's that fifth guy uh, with a little more you know games under our belt and seeing KD play. I think it might actually be Aldridge. I've been I'm a huge fan of Jeff Green starting in these postseason games, but I think they like what they see with Lamarcus and his. Defense specifically in pick and roll coverage has been a lot better than what it was advertised as in San Antonio, but looks like he kind of just quit on them, which we've seen with a lot of vets lately. But I think they like what they have there, and if he's being effective in that pick and roll the most, then there's no reason to not start him. A lot of quitters over there in Brooklyn, uh, but they are the title favorites, so that's how it goes. Josh, thoughts on uh, starting lineup changes? Um, I would disagree on George with George because I like Jeff Green closing. I don't like him yeah. starting as much, but I I agree that I think it's LaMarcus. I think he's I think he's just where they're going to fit him and they have him uh put in as a center like in his position lock so it's like center slash forward. So I I don't know if that's like a, been a recent change but yeah, so if they go – me and George had this conversation with the Clippers when I deemed them the deepest team in the league. I know this is George's deepest team in the league. Yep. Uh, if they go eight deep in the playoffs, they got Kyrie, Harden, KD, Joe Harris, and Aldridge. And off the bench, they got Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton, and either Bruce Ben or TLC. That's TLC will not be seeing any minutes in, the, in a playoff. You didn't, even, you didn't even mention Jeff Green. Oh, my gosh. It, yeah. I mean, they might go they might or go Shaman. Or Shaman. I, mean, I don't. I don't think they go eight. I think they definitely go nine. Well, TLC's been their leading minutes getter off the bench, so I don't think he'll just disappear. He's been averaging a steady yeah, Twitter 25. absolutely hates him and really? thinks he shouldn't get any minutes. Yeah. Well, he went two for thirteen this game. All threes. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> he went two for thirteen from the field. All of them are threes. He's so an efficient bench man, Joe Harris. So. Well. We're going to end on that note. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the game of the night. George's look ahead in the nightcap. Jazz and nice. Suns need an extra five minutes to determine a winner. And uh, CP3 and Booker took advantage of those minutes. Uh, goes final, 117-113, Suns, W. Uh, Spider Mitchell at 41, but it took him a lot of shots to get there. On the other side, Booker struggled from three, going 0 for 6 from three, but he still had 35. Him and Mitchell were just shot shucking. Uh, great game here, so I want to start with the Suns, W. Uh, George, your look ahead. Talk to me. Definitely did not disappoint. This had playoff intensity and was one of the games this season where a, all the stars were healthy in a marquee matchup, battle of the top two seeds in the West. So I'm glad that we got five minutes of it to decide a winner. But the biggest thing in crunch time was that Chris Paul was constantly going to the pick and roll against the Jazz defense, most notably Rudy Gobert out there because I, we've been saying teams love hunting him in the pick and roll because once you get him out of that paint, you can shoot right over him because he doesn't come up high enough because he drops a lot, or you can just attack the, defensive the inside. Player of the year can't guard simple pick and roll. I mean, Chris Paul was I, there was one point Stupid. fourth quarter Stupid. overtime he hit like two in a row, and then the next play was a bucket inside because they brought uh, Rudy that high up, and I. 
kind of had a problem with Devin Booker taking that last shot. I, I mean, like, I didn't have a big problem, but I think I'd like to see Chris Paul more of those times because he kind of got looked off of. So I would rather have CP taking, like, a mini. They didn't really need a three, but uh, I guess for the Jazz side, oh, here, here it is, 25% from three. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's why they lost. All right, all right, all right. Let's hear from Josh then. You want Chris Paul to shoot the shot over Devin Booker? There's been a lot of times in Chris Paul's career where he hasn't had the last shot, and I'd kind of like to see more of it. Well, here, can I can I, can I, I kind of throw George a bone here? Would you like the ball in Chris Paul's hands then in the game, or would you like him to take the shot at the end of the game? I would like it in his hands. Okay. That, okay. that makes more sense because I believe it or not, Chris Paul's probably gone from the league in two years. So <laughs> it's very – I double good. that. I'd say four. I think he's got a little bit left when he's 40 he's thir- like 37 point right god now. he's got that iq that, that'll give him that'll give him a few more years yeah okay, as a good head of coach in two and a half years yeah he's, <laughs> sure. not gonna, he's not gonna produce uh for in like two years but i i don't know if that's really the right way to go about it but uh no george kind of hit it on the nose the suns uh snuck away with this one especially because they lost uh Mikkel bridges and cam johnson had to come in and he played decent, but they attacked the two big things we've been harping on. Rudy Gobert's inability to guard perimeter and uh, the inability for Utah to make threes consistently. And George hit both of those points on the nose. So good win for Phoenix here. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as – this was a game I wanted to see Rudy Gobert kind of thriving because there's another center down there. And just watching it, like, Aiden was not having a very tough time. Um, they both he have someone vibed. He vibed. Yeah. They, so Aiden had 18 and 12, uh, three blocks. That's, you know, the problem on Rudy, uh, nine for 16. And then Rudy went perfect from the field, uh, 16 and 18. So, I mean, th- the boards are there. You gotta, that's part of defensive player of the year is securing a defensive rebound. I think we forget that sometimes. That's why I still, I'm, I don't hate Rudy Gobert, but one thing that I didn't see that I wanted to see was yet yeah, him to actually put a body on Aiden and then he flopped that one time, and th- yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Like he th- yeah. he didn't get hit, and he was on the floor. And they're like they're like go back for Kush Bokal. I think he was trying to tell him like no, I just flopped. Like I think he, that's what he's trying to say so he didn't waste time. So that was embarrassing as a Rudy Gobert apologist. But uh, yeah, I mean solid solid win for the for Phoenix there. Um, did you guys have Phoenix going into the game, or did you have Utah? I mean, I didn't really pick, but I kind of felt like Phoenix would have won. So George uh, front run right there. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I, I did have Utah because uh, today I had a different team that actually won. I did have Utah as well. Just I thought their defense would get it done, which um, kind of did. Rough shooting game for Utah or Phoenix also pretty legit on the defensive front? Both. I mean, we've seen it with the Devin Booker's defensive play is kind of elevated because of how much Chris Paul's impact. Mm-hmm. impacted him especially in perimeter defense and Mikel Bridges we've talked about being most underrated player DeAndre Aiden also a very undervalued defender he's kind of yeah. clumsy with his feet but he's just such a big body pause that it's really hard to get a uh, open shot on him in the paint and then, yeah very very last thing here and then we'll go to uh, Josh recap Thursday um you like the Booker shot at the end uh, as far as end of regulation, was that a good shot? Because I thought he got a pretty solid look at it. I think that's I think he got. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, at in that situation, there's not too much you can, too much else you can do. So I think. I mean, I was just looking at like I'm terrified of doing Booker taking the last show, which probably means yeah. it's in the right guy's hands. Yeah, so. exactly. And then he he got a good separation on that. George yeah. uh, criticizing his coach of the year candidate, but you know, <laughs> at, that, <laughs> no, that's he, how it goes it here when it's 4:30 a.m. He didn't really force it, so yeah, it was a good, it was a good shot. All right, enough of uh, Wednesday. Pretty solid games, though. George, how are you feeling about the uh, the product? Because you've been kind of complaining it's a little been, bit. It, it's actually these past two days have there's been some really really good games. So hopefully, suppose, hopefully the league's getting a little bit healthier now. Let's uh, hit some other good games. Josh, Thursday, read it to us. Um, I hate to disappoint, but today was a little bit on the boring side. But we will have those days. George, unfortunately, not everybody is a Los Angeles Laker fan. Continuing, <laughs> let's get the boring ones out of the way. Uh, Chicago beat Toronto, 122-113. Cavs beat Oklahoma, 129-102. Mavs beat Bucks with no Giannis, 116-101. And the Pistons beat the Kings, 113-101. to 
So uh, let's get to the games that we're going to talk about in more in depth. Uh, George, your favorite team, the Los Angeles Lakers, forgot half of their team on the second bus, <laughs> and that evidently had them falling short to the Miami Heat, 104-110. KCP probably played his best game of the season, in my opinion, 28 on 55% shooting. However, Jimmy Butler matched his points with better shooting at 73%. Seven boards, five assists, three steals, did Jimmy things. Personally, I didn't see much from this game. I kind of glossed over it because it was a wash because there was just – Nobody playing. I'll step uh, in here. I also didn't but, see a lot of it, so we'll but, let we'll let George, George monologue. George Trudell, I'm going to give you 45 <laughs> to 60 seconds to okay. talk about this game. Go. So the Lakers lost this game because of the big amount of turnovers they had. 22 oh, okay, turnovers. Okay. Um, I was going to say refs. I thought so too. Nah, nah. Uh, Andre Drummond probably his best game as a Laker, but it was only his. Actually, it was his first full game. Uh, 15, 12, three and two, two being the steals. And then Miami's side, yeah, Jimmy Butler was Jimmy Butler. Uh, they got great defensive production out of uh, their whole team. Oladipo probably had his best defensive game as a Heat, but he did exit early for injury. We don't know why or we, we don't know his status, so hopefully he's okay. But, yeah, Miami Heat shot 40% from three, and that'll that'll get it done. All right, fair enough. I mean, uh, any concern for Miami – because I know the Lakers are missing a lot of players, but any concern for Miami that they kept this one as close as they did? They're missing Costas. <laughs> um, there is a little bit of concern because, yeah, like you said, this is a fully healthy Miami Heat team going up against <laughs> whatever's left of the Lakers currently. But their defense was good enough uh, late in the game, and they shot 40% from three, which their offense has been a little bit of a concern lately. And the mm -hmm. Lakers having the best defense over this you know, even with without their top guys, they still did pretty good. So I'm I'm not that worried. I want to ask you, George, oh, about uh, Drummond. That's far because he had a Stalin looks good. Like uh, Josh read it out, or you read it out. Yeah. Um, and then Bam shot fifty percent, only thirteen points. Uh, didn't get a double double. How, what did you see on ball for Drummond? Like just guarding Bam, and then what did you see when uh, things kind of got in the motion? He had to actually you know move his feet. Uh, yeah, so he did have five fouls, and a lot of those came not necessarily like in transition, but sliding over. And he he did say post game that he's still trying to get acclimated. There was a lot of times he was just sliding into guys where he knew that's where he shouldn't have been. So that's a little bit of a cause for concern. But I don't think he'll be that type of player that gets a lot of foul. I hope not when he's put in the right situations. But offensively, he was fine. Uh, he I I don't know if this is a if this has previously been a problem, but he does kind of have bad hands. Yeah. Like catching ball, catching the ball and uh, pa his, his passing is pretty underrated, but sometimes he throws boneheaded turnovers. But I just, I would hope that once LeBron gets back, it'll be a lot easier uh, in that department. So, yeah. but it, it was a, it was a solid game. All right. It wasn't anything great, but it wasn't anything bad. So. And what about yeah. Benny McLemore? Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> just, just a little bit. Um, didn't didn't make any from three, uh, so can't really judge it because that is is specialty. Hopefully, he's just getting acclimated too. So we'll we'll see moving forward. But I mean, he's not going to have a huge role. You just need him to come in and hit like two threes and uh, play effort on the defensive side. Lehman, any other questions before I get no. to the one point I had about the Miami Heat? <laughs> no, no, no. I got what's for your Josh. Um, I'm noticing that uh, only two players played over 30, uh, Jimmy and Tyler Hero. So I kind of would decrease the concern a little bit because it seems like they're being a little bit conservative on their rotations, yeah. whereas normally they play like 35 to 40 uh, in terms of starters. But moving on to the next game, in my look ahead, that wasn't as thrilling as the night before. I was a kind of expecting a little bit of an upset here because I thought that Utah would be riding high after a Phoenix win. But unfortunately, the Utah Jazz redeemed themselves with a victory against the Blazers, 122-103. Most notably of this game was the third quarter 21-point differential. Jazz scored 40, Blazers scored 19. Uh, they once again relied on Donovan Mitchell, who had 37 points. Rudy had 18 and 20. That can't go unnoticed, unfortunately. And Damon CJ put up 19 and 23 respectively, but it was on poor shooting, 38%, and even worse from three. 
Uh, Lehman, I'm going to go to you on this one because this was a very interesting that I noticed. Utah only made 12 threes. Portland made 13. So they found other ways to beat Portland. Uh, what are your thoughts for that one? So I'll preface it because, yeah, I was, I was like, I was reading the stats here. I'm like, only made 12 threes, shot horribly, still got the W. Yeah. And then I was like, it's Portland, man. I can't say Portland is horrible at defense on one pod and then be like, yeah, Jazz scored 122 on on bad shooting. Look at them. Mm-hmm. Look at them. They're a, they're a contender. But, um, yeah, they found other ways to get it done. The last two weeks, they've been riding Donovan Mitchell, like, oh, on nice. offense. And, you know, one free from three. So, you know, he's been shooting pretty pretty bad there. Let's see. Quick math. He missed 11 shots total, set, missed seven threes. So only missed four shots inside the arc, which is pretty efficient for Donovan Mitchell. Big maths. Yeah, exactly. And they also didn't have Clarkson in this game. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Gore, uh, yeah, Georges Niang, who Paul, you got to – looks like kind of looks like Kyle Lowry running out there, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, if you know you know. But, um, yeah, as far as, you know, Rudy Gobert, 18 and 20, beauty. And, then, yeah, they got kind of got the rest of their guys here because, like you mentioned, 40-point uh, third quarter. Yeah. Uh, George, anything else you want to add to this one? Uh, just Portland side, 27% from three, and the best thing going for them is their offense. And here we are now. They've been healthy for – a pretty decent amount of time, and we haven't really been talking a lot of positives about them. Uh, Lehman, I know you and I have kind of been giving them the benefit of the doubt lately and how great Dame was playing when everyone was out, and here we are. They're fully healthy, and they haven't moved the needle at all, especially when the Lakers are falling in the standings. They're not making up much ground to try and pass them. So I want to know your thoughts on that because that's what I've been thinking about lately. So Portland is the typical first-round exit. They beat who they're supposed to. They don't beat who they need to, you know, moving that upper echelon. We talked about last pod. They're they're that middle team, you know. They're they're not. We we like to give the Jazz like crap all the time. That they're in that top tier with like the Suns and stuff, and with the Lakers and Clippers and stuff like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets are are a bit ahead of tier one than like Suns and Jazz, but like they still deserve their respect. Uh Portland, like I've kind of given up on them, especially since that Norman Powell trade. Like I like they got. It wasn't a bad trade, but just like you can't commit to offense in the Western Conference when you're playing the Utah Jazz, who like no matter what, your offense will be hurt when you play the Utah Jazz. When you play the Los Angeles Lakers, when you the Clippers seem to be getting their stuff together, when you play the Clippers. So like they're they're built to just kind of be fun. You know, they're the Dallas Cowboys of the of the NBA. They're all offense. They're they're fun to watch. And then, you know, they lose some games. They're built to be dangerous for about two games in a first round matchup, and everyone's like, Oh, here they come, and yeah. then they get backdoored. So Josh, you got anything else? Uh, no, you guys kind of all capitalized on the points. Uh, and with that note, we will move on to the final game. Uh, the Suns were not able to capitalize off of their strong performance the previous night before as they followed the Clippers 113-103. Just to name some stats for you guys, Kawhi and PG combined for 60 po- points total, both shooting over 50%. Rondo put in an efficient 19 minutes with 15 points, 9 assists. And on Phoenix, Devin Booker led the team in scoring with 24 points, while Georgia's man crush Chris Paul struggled from the field, and Jay Crowder produces a goose egg on the starting lineup. Uh, I George thought you said Ayer, Chris Paul had 15 points. He struggled from the field, unfortunately. 4 of 11. Uh, Rano joke didn't hit. Anyways. <laughs> George. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give Lehman a breather. Overall <laughs> thoughts on this game. So most notably, it just seemed like Phoenix uh, ran out of gas in the second half. You know, they they played a very high-profile game the night before against Utah, like we said, and I think it was just a typical second night of a back-to-back. They were leading going into the half, and you know they just coming. They came out flat in the third, and it just looked like the fatigue set in. Yeah. Uh, Clippers, though, <laughs> Rondo seemingly took it personal i he, there's definitely a vendetta there against chris paul ever since you know they had a fist fight in 2018 when they were uh ron was oh, on yeah. the lakers and chris paul was on the rock but uh so yeah nice. i mean there was just one point where i think it was right after beverly got ejected for that that elbow on chris paul's hip or whatever Mm-hmm. Uh, Suns made a run, and then Clippers come down. Kawhi hits a three, PG hits a three, Rondo hits a three, and it's just like boom, game's over. They went on a seven-zero run. Portland got it, or not Portland? Phoenix got a bucket, and then they go on a six-zero run. And while that's impressive and all, it was all it was all jumpers. And we we've we've been harping on 
that's not a road you'd like to settle on because in the playoffs, it could go all bad real quick. But impressive nonetheless. Phoenix just struggled offensively 25% from three. But good win here from the Clippers. They've been looking a lot better ever since they got in Rondo, which we, we've said they've needed a point guard identity. So we'll give them their props now. Uh, before I get to Lehman, uh, I am going to mention a couple teams that do rely on the jump shot. Uh, for example, we got Boston that we've talked about, Utah, uh, the Clippers, Dallas, uh, Golden State. Phoenix uh, on Wednesday, I saw they were relying a lot on that jumper. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of more going in the uh, Clipper direction. Uh, Lehman, how do you feel? Because this is like a very high risk, high reward. And this is kind of the era we're in right now where it gets to the point where it's like, if you make making your shots, you can end the game. Portland too. If you're making your shots, you could end the game in less than a couple minutes. Whereas if you're missing, you're getting blown out by teams that are taking advantage of the inside game and all the aspects of the court. So how do you feel? Uh, do you feel confident, especially for t- like these teams or, is there a little bit of uh, like doubt going into like especially big playoff games? Well, I want to clear my name first. I know you all seen the video where he goes up to Rondo and he's like, it's my favorite player, Chris Paul. That's what I was referencing. It wasn't a good joke, but it, at least it makes a little sense. Uh, as far as – it dropped a bit? Dropped a, okay, all right. Um, as far as talking basketball, uh, I mean, I really do think it can work. Um, I – this team that I saw play the oh, oh he's George having a charger. Uh, so I guess I'll monologue a little bit. But um, this team right here, this Clippers team, this this team can make the finals hands down. But okay, Paul yeah, George, Paul George last two weeks flawless. Like like I said, he either shoots you know five for nineteen or twelve for like twelve for nineteen, and he's playing really good. Seven for nine from three. Like he like sometimes some nights you're like who's Clippers best player? Kawhi's the most Paul consistent, George. but Paul George like. Sometimes he's probably their best offensive player when he's got it going. And, uh, I mean, this team held Phoenix to 103 points. We are giving Utah their props for holding them to 117 overtime. Yeah. When they dig in, they're solid. So, uh, yeah. yeah, this Clippers team, it, it's gone to the point where, you know, I, I start off season, I was like, Clippers need to prove to me because, like, they disappoint me in the playoffs. Now they got to prove to me that they can't do it in the playoffs because this team just looks built now. They got mm-hmm. Ty Lewis, Coach who – you know, it seems like he's coaching pretty well. He seems to have gotten all in the buy-in, which is probably he the main problem. He draws the stick figure, and it he goes does. In the he draws the stick figure, and then Rondo comes over and he he like does like the shadows and everything. He makes it a more etch a sketch drawing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know it it's working. And then uh, Marcus Morris ejected in this one, uh, I believe so. Um, and then Patrick Beverly also ejected. So I mean, I mean they they got that playoff tenacity, and yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in this Clippers team. All right, and that will wrap up the Thursday So with that being said, we will move on to George's little halftime segment. It's called the Halftime Report for two reasons. It's the (laughs) halftime of the show, and George is the half-hooper. So, George. Are you reading off a cue card? (laughs) (laughs) Very monotonous voice, but thank you, Josh. The half-hooper salary, unfortunately, doesn't (laughs) cover computers, so he has to uh, use index cards. Thank you, Josh, for transitioning us to halftime. So today, pretty pretty fun stuff. Uh, Kevin Durant <laughs> dropped a podcast with Draymond Green on his boardroom. I think that's like his little uh, business group. Anyways, that's his fake LeBron show. <laughs> show oh, like the barbershop. Yeah, Barber- dang it. That's, it. That, 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 that's his. Too. That's his LeBron show. Me too. So uh, a quote was brought up. Pretty funny because back in 2016, after the. Warriors blew through when Lita was rumored that Draymond was crying in the parking lot recruiting Kevin Durant to join them that offseason. Kevin Durant eventually joined him. But basically, he said, however y'all think Kevin got here in your mind, roll with that expletive if that helps you out. Um, basically, I just want to ask you guys what you... Why didn't you say it? You've said it on here before. <laughs> nah, nah, this, is, this is a PG-13 podcast. but Schnikes. <laughs> just want to ask you guys what you think about it because it was, it was pretty fun when it came out. It it doesn't seem like he denied it. Kind of just seems like, yeah, whatever you guys want to roll with, sure. I don't think he was crying, but what do you what do you think, Lehman? Well, that's denying it. Doesn't mean we have to believe it. But him saying whatever you want to roll, that's like when like you, you get roasted and you put cope. Like you're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? Like you know it's true, but you're trying to you know heal the wound by yeah, by and like you, like you're not gonna you're you're basically saying like if I asked you like a math question, you're like, 
nah, I know it, but I'm not going to tell you because I don't think you know it. That's what he's doing, like, essentially, where yeah. he's like, I'm not going to play your game. I mean, he he might have. I mean, it. I, I don't know why it would take him five years to deny it because it's pretty embarrassing if you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, the way I look at this, because I'm used to the halftime here, so I'm kind of reading it, he – he basically put the blame on Kevin. He's like, yeah, Kevin came here because, like, he needed to win. It wasn't because I asked him to. He wanted to come here. He wanted to leave. So, like, on it, KD's podcast, he kind of threw him under the bus there. Josh, what do you think it was more of uh, KD just wanting to go there or Draymond being like, hey, we need you because we just blew through and leave the LeBron and the Cavs aren't going anywhere? I think this honestly has the same validity as the Clippers stocked out DeAndre Jordan's house. They don't go to the <laughs> Mavericks. Don't go to the Mavericks. But they did that. <laughs> that was true. That actually happened. Yeah. They exactly. sent the chair. <laughs> was exactly. that photo real of the chair sitting in front Personally, of the door? I don't think. I think. I don't think he was crying, but I think. I think him calling Kevin Durant and saying like, "Hey, like you just saw what happened. We you we did this to you. Now you can help us do it to them." Type of situation. I don't think he's bawling his eyes out, but I think I do. I do think that Kevin Durant might have been swayed a little bit, especially that early. And because, like, when you think of they were both in the same situation, blowing a three-one lead. So I think in that aspect, the emotional pain Draymond was feeling was definitely relatable to what Kevin felt about I don't know a couple weeks ago. So yeah, maybe maybe both, but. I don't think he was crying. Josh, over under three tears shed on the phone call from Draymond Green. Uh, I'm going to – on the phone, under. On the phone with Katie. You think under? under. Okay. He might have shed like one. <laughs> like the slow one? Yeah. That's <laughs> like, a, we need you. It's <laughs> an interesting point made by Lehman. So continuing from the same podcast, uh, Katie talked about that that infamous uh, Steve Kerr quote where he's like, I had more fun uh, – with the, the team that won 20 games than <laughs> the last season of Kevin Durant. Lehman, we talked about this when it was us too, about how it was like misconstrued, taken out of context. And we, I believe Steve Kerr, I don't, I don't remember if you did or not. I don't. But, okay. Th- thanks Josh for inputting your uh, opinion. <laughs> when he missed so, that podcast. <laughs> he did. So, but, but I thank him for putting in that opinion. Now we know. Um, so basically Draymond said, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I played with that team. Don't talk like him. I ain't have more fun. I'm reading the quote. Uh, so do you think that it, the words weren't misconstrued like Steve Kerr actually meant it because Draymond was like, well, you know, I didn't have more fun. So what do you, what do you guys want to think about it? Who are you going to start with? Who wants it? All right. I guess uh, I'm fu- uh, uh, we'll give it to Josh. Would you like it? We'll get to the George Martin. Okay. Um, I don't think, uh, it would, I, I, don't think Steve Kerr was are telling the truth with the oh got misconstrued, but at the same time I think this is kind of a vendetta because I don't think Draymond and Steve Kerr are having the best of relationships and you know you know how Draymond is as like a person and how high strung he is and how opinionated he is and seeing kind of the Golden State Warriors struggle uh, this year it might bring in some tension especially with a player like Draymond and the lack of coaching from Steve Kerr. So I think this is kind of just, it's kind of just friendly banter with a little bit of truthfulness into it. Like just saying jokes that hit a little too close to home, but I don't, I, I, I have no idea. Draymond could just be playing with the media cause he loves doing that. There, there are players that do that. He's probably like the head captain of doing that. But again, do not like Steve Kerr probably was telling the truth about what he said in the media the first time. Lehman. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Kerr was telling the truth um, as far as like saying, he, I don't know if he meant the whole KD thing. I don't think it's a shot at KD, but I think he had fun last year because coaches, as long as their jobs are safe, like they don't, they're not putting the work in every single day and then losing. They're, you know, they're losing games because they're, they're coaching young players. Draymond, like when he would play, he was not good. And then he was taking most games off because he didn't have Curry or Clay. So he's like, why am I even here? So he was taking half the games off anyways. He took, I think, the whole year off after the All-Star break just for, like, gigs. So um, well, there weren't many games after the All-Star break. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. So I think – so, yeah. Also, who's Eddie, real quick? Is he, like, the host? I guess that's – I guess that's Kate. That's one of, like, Katie's boys. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, he – I, I, I wouldn't have fun winning. Players don't have fun winning 15 games. Coaches don't either, but sometimes, I mean, if they really don't care, they're coming off five straight finals runs. They don't feel the pressure. 
that's why I kind of agree with Steve Kerr in the first place. I was like, I get it. Last the 19 year was stressful, all the injuries, trying to go three peat. Now you're just coaching, you know, uh, Jordan Poole and you know Steph Curry every every 16 games. So, so if we ask Luke Wong right now, what was more what was more fun? What was more stressful when he had to take over for Steve Kerr and won like 35 games? Or right now with the Kings, what do you think he says? Uh, well, there's expectations with the Kings. I um, think he would say the Warriors because he just yeah. kind of had to. He had a team set up, all ready to go. Exactly. Fair enough. I just wanted to because Lima was like, well. I think it was more fun for him not winning. Well, I'm like, okay, well, well, well there's a different. There's my a different, main thing is the whole no pressure thing because security, he's coming off five. Yeah. Like he was, he wasn't getting fired, especially with those injuries. So he was just, you know, he was kicking back. He was having a good time. Luke Walton, if if, if Vladi Diva listened to the podcast, should have fired him six months ago. Like, so I mean, I mean, in in that case, there's pressure there. So if you're a coach with pressure and you're losing, that's the worst thing in the league. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. All right. Yeah. Anything else? No. No. All right, uh, really quick, last one. Uh, Charles Barkley inside the TNT at halftime said, the Clippers are pretenders. He doesn't think they're better than any of the Lakers, Nuggets, Jazz. Interesting, he didn't say Suns, but I don't know, half the time. <laughs> half the time, Chuck doesn't know what's what's going on. But So does this mean uh, the Clippers are going to win now because of the, you know, Chuck's guarantees always go the other way when he said the, that Portland was going to sweep the, the Lakers, and then they got swept the next four games after. Well, what, do you, what do you guys think, Lehman? Uh, actually, I, I kind of hogged that last one. But I'm sure me and Josh agree, so I'll let Josh kind of take this one. Um, I think the Clippers are contenders, but I will agree that I'm not sure if they're better than the Lakers and Nuggets at the very, very best. Yeah. Uh, I just It's kind of hard for me to go against the Nuggets, especially what happened last time, and I think the Lakers are still my favorite to come out of the finals if fully healthy. Uh, Utah, I have my own uh, issues with. But I'm I Charles Barkley like he like he loves saying these things to rile people up. As soon as as soon as a few people get a couple a few teams get a good couple games in, it's either he absolutely loves them or absolutely hates them. There's no in between. Charles Barkley just doesn't like the Clippers, and I mean we've had this <laughs> we've had this jinx for as long as we can remember. So who knows? Yeah, I don't. Anything else to add? Uh, I do have the Clippers ceiling higher than the Nuggets ceiling. Um, oh, I, I think like I think Lakers and Clippers have a higher ceiling than, than the Nuggets, but the Nuggets floor, you're not getting past that. Lakers and Clippers not getting past the Nuggets in anything less than six, probably seven, uh, just because their chemistry. So their team on paper, they're such a perfect team. Uh, ever since that Aaron Gordon trade, Will Barton coming back without Bowl Bowl too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the whole thing with the Clippers, like that's why I said their ceiling, their floor is lower than the Nuggets because we could get pandemic P again. And then, if 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 they get pandemic P against the Nuggets, that's a that's maybe a five game series. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say that I'd say their ceiling is higher because they're one of the top contenders. But I think Denver could be a more consistent team in the playoffs, like you said. So the floor thing makes sense. But yeah, I, all good points. So that that wraps up the halftime. Uh, before we get into our top ten small oh, forwards, calling audible. Josh needs to say his top five shooting guards now because he didn't get to last time. Oh, well, yes. Well, uh, you guys did mention it, but I will uh, say it again as a refresher. Uh, Levine's my top, followed by Bradley Beal, Paul George, Devin Booker, Kyrie Irving, and most notably the name that I left off, Donovan Mitchell. So I'm going to try to explain it as best I can because I'm sure the, there's a few big issues um, the only one that I can really, uh, that was a really big issue was the Donovan Mitchell out of my top five. I think Levine's the most complete shooting guard in this list. Uh, I think he runs the floor a lot better than most of these guys. And I think that he's just a, he's a clear cut number one. Uh, I know Lehman and I've had conversation <laughs> about, about whether or not he can be a top guy for a championship team, but he's doing the best he can. And it'll it, it all depends on how Vooch kind of alters into the Chicago system because I know they're trying to get him looks right now, but I still think Levine's the number one guy there. He's had a phenomenal season. Uh, Bradley Beal, it's kind of hard to ignore. He has the uh, – I saw a stat earlier. This is kind of a George stat, but they're actually minus 10 with uh, Westbrook on the court alone 
uh, minus five with Beal and Westbrook and plus 12 with Bradley Beal alone. So that kind of speaks volumes in my opinion. We're not doing point guards. <laughs> uh, he always he had to find a Westbrook <laughs> like negative. Colin Coward and Baker Mayfield. There's always going to be a little slander. I did, I did. Paul George was the number one shooting guard up until probably February when he had that toe injury oh. and kind of flawed. It's it's he's kind of just right there. Uh, Devin Booker is playing out of his mind for the second seeded Suns, and Kyrie Irving is a shooting scoring phenom that can't go unnoticed donovan mitchell's kind of had a looked over season just because we love talking about like their team dynamic but i don't think he's shown enough uh in the fourth quarter uh that's kind of my big knock on him and he just doesn't take the lead uh except in these recent few games these recent few games have kind of kind (laughs) of hit me in the butt with a little bit of karma but before that there's kind of been some difficulty i know you're looking at me in pure awe and shock but that my whole big knock on donovan mitchell is the inconsistent shooting especially when his team is also going through inconsistent shooting and his uh beta mentality sometimes in the fourth quarter okay Okay, so it's a small forward episode, so we'll spend max two minutes on this. But you can't tell me that Donovan Mitchell is not a bonafide number one when you have Zach bonafide. Levine, a, a bonfire number one. You, you can't tell me that. What do you mean? So what, what makes Zach Levine number one and Donovan Mitchell not? The defensive end of it, too. He's got Rudy Gobert in the back. I know we make fun of Rudy Gobert, but at the same time, he's also – a freak of nature that gets you 20 rebounds a game and also is in the running for defensive player of the year, unfortunately. But so is that why when they have the, they also have the six man of the year in Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley's had an all-star caliber season. So it's not like a, it's not a knock on Donovan Mitchell that he's surrounded by great talent. I'm just saying that he kind of gets overlooked because of that point. And it's not, and it's not a, not a knock on him. I'm trying to say like, he doesn't really prove himself or not prove. He doesn't really show out. Like you don't really see his name on top of all of those because it's like a whole team. They, it kind of feels like they're on the same. He's the leading scorer on the number one team in the league. Um, You said he doesn't do it on. I you said you didn't discredit his defense, but you said he has Rudy Gobert behind him, but they had him on Devin Booker when they have Royce O'Neal, a very good defender. So obviously trust him in that sense. Yeah, and then I, I by complete, you're just factoring in the defense because Zach Levine's a decent defender. He's not all NBA by any means. I think no, he's not all, pretty he's similar not on defense. Yeah, well, it, the, I think he's more complete than Donovan Mitchell. I think he has a better offensive package than Donovan Mitchell. I mean, that's a date for a different day. Um, I would, I would need a you know a deep dive on stats. Just the eye test. I definitely have Mitchell there, and then mm-hmm. not even. We're not, I'm debating my number one against your number one. You left him off your whole top five, so that'd be a. Yeah. It's a small Ford episode, so uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm a little upset, but small Fords here. Um, we're continuing our series of uh, top ten or five. Next week will be five because we're covering power forwards. Uh, and then centers will be top ten, so that'll be fun. We can do top uh, ten big men, maybe. M- maybe. Oh. Maybe. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, we got we got an easy one here. We got small forwards. It was pretty cut and dry. I think we'll have the same list. Uh, but oh, I want to start. I want to start with George here. Um, Alrighty, we'll go uh, our top five, so we can stay a little organized, and then we'll go. Feel our top like five. everybody's gonna have the same top five, but LeBron, Katie, Kawhi, Jimmy, and Tatum. Wow, as do I. We all got the same. No, I have Jimmy second. Wow. I have LeBron, Jimmy, Kawhi, Katie. For a Katie. guy that is concerned about the Heat a lot, he's got so Katie just because uh, he's missed games. And that's how it is. Or yes, and I know you're going to talk about okay, Jimmy fair. missing games that's at fair. the beginning of the no, year. No, no, no. You got you got it there. Hey, I, was on, I was on the Jimmy MVP train, but if, uh, if we're if we're talking about if we're talking about just small forwards, uh, barring uh, no injuries or anything, Katie would be second for, for me. Sure. But just because he's missed games, I can't put him that high. That's fine. I mean, yeah, if we're going through like uh like he's missed two months, yeah. You're gonna you're yeah. gonna drop a, little, a couple pegs in some people's yeah. list. And the the raise, like as much as I like to talk about the concern of the heat, going from practically last in the east to fourth because of one player is just something that you can't relate. But you didn't like my Jimmy MVP take. So I'm not here to, to debate. I just want to explain how come uh, Jimmy over Kawhi. 
Uh, exactly that pure slate. And also the fact that I have the same argument for Donovan Mitchell that I do for Kawhi. It's just Paul George has had such a phenomenal season that Kawhi kind of gets overlooked. And Jimmy Butler was, it kind of just got put in the spotlight because he's like the sole reason they went from 13th to 4th. And I know the East isn't as competitive, but Kawhi has been very consistent. He's had a rather good year, but I think Jimmy's kind of just gone beyond and out. No knock on Kawhi. Just, I think Jimmy's been playing better. Yeah, I mean that's fair. So who did you uh kick out, or did you just have different order? I no, just switched. I just switched yeah. KD and Jimmy. Okay. Everything else is the same. I mean, as long as you got that top five in there, um, those top four, those top four kind of locked. Uh, you can kind of move it around. And then Tatum, I think we all agreed was kind of that that next guy up. Right. So, so uh, back, man, this is gonna bottom be five. Let's go same order, George. Okay. Oh, this is where we're gonna go to war. Oh, I have Mickey Mouse right there. Oh, oh, man, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I have I have Gordon Hayward at six. I have here we go. Chris Middleton seven, Demar eight, Bi nine, Jeremy Grant at ten. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. Um, I got DeRozan at six. Of course you do. Because you Demar him. You Demar. Uh, <laughs> I got Hayward at seven. That's fine. I got Bi at eight. That's fine. Tobias Harris at nine and Jeremy Grant at 10. <laughs> wow. Okay. So Lehman, we have the same five. I have DeRozan six. I have Hayward seven. I have Jeremy Grant eight, uh, Ingram nine and Tobias Harris 10. <sighs> okay. So you just sandwiched. So me and you have pretty similar lists. Let's, let's team up on George. You no, take I, I forgot. I forgot Toby. <laughs> so who are you switching Tobias Harris out for? Looking at this, probably Chris. I completely you're forgot about Toby. Toby. At seven? No, Chris, I, you're number seven. I'd Don't. move. I'd move guys up. No, I. Okay, but uh, yeah, Jesus. Please. What? 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 We went over before the pod. <laughs> I didn't, nobody said Toby. George, nobody said Toby. Live on television, George is front running, taking number seven out entirely. Was that front nobody running? Else, That's, nobody that else had him on their top ten. Front running. Stop, want, ga- stop gatekeeping this. I just want to say. Just want to say. Okay, so um, me, me and Josh can talk about uh, Grant versus uh, Bi while you give us an updated list. Okay. So Josh, kind of, <laughs> kind of similar situations um, as far as playing not on that. Don't say not similar situations. Uh, we Zion Williamson. Yeah, and Zion. we saw how much Zion missed him in their most recent game. I'd actually just put Toby. He's, in place he's ready. He's ready. He's ready. I just, <laughs> I would just, I would just put Toby in place for Chris. I don't think Demar is better than you're Toby. You're front, you're front running. Definitely not. Bi. Okay, so Chris, Chris, Chris Middleton gets seven and they get booted. So Chris is no, eight. No, we got the boot. I, I flipped him. Chris well, is out. He's out. Explain. Then explain. <laughs> um, because in that two and a half week stretch where Embiid was hurt, Toby was the Sixers' most impressive guy. I know why he's on your top ten. Why is Middleton off entirely? Why did he go down four spots? <laughs> so in the beginning of the year, I did say that he was one of their more consistent guys, but in the last about two three weeks, Drew Holiday has stepped into the role that I wanted Chris Middleton to have. And yeah, he's hasn't really been much effective at all. His numbers have dipped a lot. Uh, so yeah. Where was uh, this? Uh, you knew Drew Holiday was hooping five minutes ago. So, so George, explain to me why Chris Middleton was initially in your top ten. <laughs> why didn't he um, move down to eight? Huh? Why didn't he move down to eight? If you wanted to put Toby, mm, Demar's been a little bit better than him, and Bi and Grant are two young studs. But initially, you why weren't they ahead of him in the initial? Yeah, I don't know why we're still backing literal up. front running. Oh. Wow, <laughs> I mean, so okay, we got to get at least one topic. So, yeah, Josh, Grant versus BI. Why do you have Grant over BI? Because you keep saying they have similar situations. One has Sion Williamson. That's not this is not up for debate. Like, one has the far superior team. If you take the Pistons and any other team in the league. The Pistons have the worst team in the league. And we we made the joke every every time, every week. There's a new 20-point score because they're out of bodies consistently. The only body they have had is Jeremy Grant, who's having a phenomenal all-star season. His numbers have dipped a little bit in the recent because he's playing less minutes. And also, at the same time, teams are focusing on him more. So, And I just think that at the beginning of the year, he was having a phenomenal 
borderline all-star year. He, he probably, if they had wins, any any sort of wins ever, he would probably get the all-star nod. But his numbers have dipped a little bit, I will admit. But at the same time, I think Ingram leads a team that's disappointing, whereas Jeremy Grant is is the only shining bright in the Detroit darkness. So, so. B.I., more points, more assists. On a better team, some more mouths to feed. Jeremy Grant okay, don't, playing don't with G-leaguers, and he can't score more points than Brandon. Don't use the narrative of, of more You just bodies, use narrative. More, you said they're out of bodies. Don't more mouths to feed. They should be winning with more mouths to I feed. I agree, but this is top 10 small forwards. <laughs> Why'd you only solely use points as a uh, they're disappointing. debate, debate if, argument? If, if only I said assists as well, George. Get back in your tank top, Josh. So, and then you put Tobias Harris over Brandon Ingram. Right. Correct. Is that right? Well, let me check the notes. You went DeRozan, Hayward, Harris, Ingram. Grant. No. DeRozan, Hayward, B.I., Toby, Grant. Okay, so that doesn't make sense because if you're talking about it, Tobias Harris it has led a better team than Brandon Ingram without Joel Embiid. So he technically should be better than Brandon Ingram with that argument that you just made. No, because he's not He's not second best <laughs> player on the team. Ben Simmons is. 50-40-90. Tobias Harris is the second best. That's a George stat. I don't care about that. <laughs> I don't care about 50-40-90. He's, he's playing out of his mind, and he leads a better team. That's why he – what do you mean? Stop saying leads. Embiid is their best Joel player. Embiid was best. out for three weeks. For three weeks. He took him out of the MVP conversation. Toby went okay. right in there. And His MVP conversation is very, very competitive. Ben Simmons was the leader when Embiid was out. And you know that, and you're just not saying it. Did you say he was the leader for the MVP candidate? No, the leader for the Sixers. Oh, yeah, over the guy that was scoring 30 points a night. No, Tobias Harris took over Your that Your defensive player of the year was not better than Tobias Harris. Say it on here. What do you mean? Tobias Harris played better than Ben Simmons while Joel Embiid was gone. I mean, score-wise, yeah. Not, this is not a Philadelphia second person. This is a small forward talk. With your argument right there, Tobias but Harris. You're using my argument. I'm saying more, more mouths to feed, and you're saying it like, like Tobias Harris averaging eight assists a game. So do you want Jeremy Grant to score 35 points a night? I want Jeremy Grant to score more than 22 and a half when Ingram's scoring 24, so, when Sam is not a coach this year. He's scoring almost 24 points a game. I think we should wrap this up. Because <laughs> you have nothing to add. Nobody wants to ask me anything. Look ahead okay, time. Lehman, Lehman, I will admit that I'm very happy that I wasn't the only one that put DeMar DeRozan that high. There's a little there, nervous. No DeMar DeRozan. No, I, don't think, I don't think there's any debate about it. I think he's no. the sixth best, but... Yeah, exactly. Uh, some George, where did you put DeRozan? Eight. Eight. Jesus Christ! Look ahead, time. All right, you got to look ahead, Gregor. That's six. That's uh, uh, um. thirty a.m. <laughs> should I should I take the Homer pick again? I don't think I should. Go though. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All righty, Saturday, uh, seven thirty p.m. That's Central Time, so eight thirty p.m. Eastern. Uh, on ABC, Lakers versus Nets. Uh, many people's, including Josh and I's, correct? That's our finals. Uh, finals preview. Yeah, Lakers up. Nets. Yeah. No, it's you and Lehman's. Maybe. Lehman and I's finals preview matchup. Uh, unfortunately, not team. <laughs> we're not gonna ha- we're not gonna have <laughs> three stars in this matchup. But eh, for the storylines, for me being a Laker fan for the yeah. competitiveness. Don't say oh, Ma- Ma- Montrez Harrell versus Kevin Durant. What I do want story. to see how Dennis guards Kyrie because that was not great. Was I'm going to tell, right <laughs> tell you right now. Dennis tell you right now. He had a good performance great. against Dame and Steph. So who knows? Maybe anything can happen there. What about you guys? Remember the first time they played? Gosh, Dennis Josh, wasn't playing. Dennis wasn't playing at time. My look ahead is Sunday, NBA TV, 12 p.m. We have Boston going to Denver, facing the Nuggets. Hopefully, Jamal Murray will be playing in this one, but I need to and Kemba Walker. I need to see some sort of good win from Boston. I talked about this earlier in the week, and Philadelphia absolutely destroyed Boston. So it'll be very interesting to see how they handle a more outside point center in Jokic rather than the dominant Embiid force. We'll see if they're able to contain it. I doubt it, but it'll be fun to watch regardless. Um, I have a look ahead team because I, I feel like it and it's my show. Um, the Raptors. Yours. <laughs> who, who did the intro? Uh, but 
I have the Raptors. They have a very they have a gimme against the Cavs on Saturday, and then they have a okay. game against the Knicks on Sunday. And they're they're three games out of the playoffs right now. If they drop even one of these, I'm cutting uh-huh. ties on the Raptors. That that so I mean th- yeah, they're they're three games out from the Bulls, who are kind of on a roll. And then as we know, the plan is Boston, New York, Indiana, and Chicago. I don't see any of them falling. Falling out. Very disappointed when Colin Sexton drops forty and they lose. Yeah, see, yeah. So this this is kind of me. Just you know, if they lose, I'm done with the Raptors. I mean, I know they're embracing the tank, but they have too much talent to make me think they can't win one of these games. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, anything else to add about anything? No. George. Oh, he's on his phone playing with his hair. <laughs> All right. Uh. Last to do it for tonight's absolute classic, obviously. Uh, thanks for watching and listening. If you like to make sure to follow us at THUbers, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube, uploading every single time on YouTube. Uh, you can see George rocking, you know, suns out, guns out at 4.30 a.m. Uh, <laughs> checks over stripes. Uh, but, yeah, hit us up on any of the social medias. You get a response because George never called back without his phone. As you can see, he's looking at it right now on recording. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for being OG. And uh, take care, guys.